Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, adventurers. Very excited to be back for episode four of season two. That's a recap of season one that you've just seen. Everything from the Trofeo Princess of Sevilla regatta, which didn't go ahead, chatting with Jesus Renato. We've spoken to Hannah Mills. We've spoken to David Turton from the Seabin Project. We've covered the Newport Bermuda race. We've spoken to the US South Sal GP team. We've spoken to John Bertrand. This season so far, we've spoken to Ian Murray, big fella, Andrew Dog Palfrey, Kay Cotty last week. And this week's guest is just as awesome. Another sailing diehard. Very excited to have her with us. But in the interim, we, uh, we better just have a little bit of a chat with someone who's been away for a few weeks. Tiana, she's back. Hello. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you, Nick? I'm good. It's nice to have you back on deck, ready to answer everybody's questions on social. Absolutely. Everyone's already buzzing on social media. Excellent. Good to see you. Make sure you keep me posted and I know that everyone will be keeping tabs. So what we might do, T, is get straight into our first segment, which is... Sailing news in 60 seconds-ish. Great work, Betty, bringing us in. (laughs) (laughs) She hates it when I make her full screen, so I'll go back to half screen. So American Magic has splashed in Auckland, as expected. They were hoping to be sailing by July 20th. Hopefully they'll get out in the water this week. The first America's Cup challenger to be on the water. Great to see. The 2020 TP52 series has finally halted one of the last major circuits to actually bring in a cancellation following the pesky COVID-19 virus. Of course, we all know that it's way more important to be staying safe this year, and I hope everybody is staying home if they have the option to, just like myself and Tiana. The Olympics were set to start yesterday, so it's a year to go until we will have the 2020 Olympics. So very excited to be seeing that. The Ocean Race, as we heard last year, have confirmed in a press conference that they will have a 12-month postponement and no stranger to the amazing Ocean Race. And also the Olympics is our guest of the week this week. We might bring her in with Tiana on screen because I have Miss T. It's Miss Carolyn Brower, welcome. <laughs> How are you? I'm good, Nick. Thank you very much. Thanks for Fantastic. having me on the show. Oh, you're so welcome. Now, where where are you hiding? I'm hiding at home in Berkeley Vale, Central Coast, Australia, where I've been hiding for probably the last four or five months now. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty lovely. You're with... Your family as well? Uh, Yes, yes. Uh, Darren's actually just about to uh, come back from a training camp in uh, Mooloolaba in Queensland. And uh, yeah, Kyle's playing with uh, one of his friends. But yeah, it's been uh, been quite an unusual time, actually. Uh, The three of us at home, it doesn't happen very often. Mm. And uh, the three of us have been at home for uh, quite a few months. Uh, I remember uh, a couple of months ago, uh, just when COVID was starting, um, Darren and I were talking and we, we said like, well, 
we probably won't see much of each other until uh, until August or after August, after the uh, the games finished. And uh, now we've uh, been at home for five six months, and uh, we've seen each other every day since. And uh, yeah, we haven't um, kicked each other out of the house yet, and all is going very well. So. Um, yeah, very happy. It's it's been different for us as a family, but it's mm. uh, definitely been enjoyable. I think for many sailing families, so to speak, this is probably the most time they've spent together too. But you've been out sailing. You've had plenty of adventures. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, how can you not? You know, <laughs> it's, I I have to start by saying that uh, we've been pretty lucky here in mm. Australia. I think where we live. Uh, it's uh, obviously very outdoorsy. Uh, we have a lot of space. So even when um, we weren't in full lockdown, but um, there were plenty of restrictions, uh, you know, we still managed to, uh, to be able to play outside and, uh, and have the lake as our, uh, as our playground. So yeah, extremely lucky. Um, haven't done that much sailing, but yeah, it, it definitely, when it gets itchy, I do have the uh, opportunity to uh, jump on the A and uh, and foil around the lake a little bit. So, yeah, very lucky there. I think I don't I don't have a copy of the video, but I think a few of us have seen the footage of you ripping past Darren on the A class. It must be fun pushing each other. At least you probably haven't had so much time sailing against each other for a while. No, we, we call it quality time when we get to go out on the lake and sail together on the, uh, or sail against each other on yeah. the A-class. But um, yeah, definitely there as well. I, I'm just very lucky. There's a great bunch of uh, guys uh, up at the lake, at Lake Macquarie, and uh, we try and get on the boat once a week uh, on the weekend. And uh, they're all uh, very good uh, A-class sailors. And uh, yeah, so, so I'm learning heaps. Uh, learning a lot from them and uh, yeah very lucky to be part of that group and uh, uh, an amazing bunch of guys and uh, we have a lot of fun uh, we learn from each other we push each other and yeah rolling Darren was obviously a little moment of glory but um, the weekend after he did it back to me so it didn't <laughs> last very long and we didn't see that video anywhere sadly no, and I think uh, I think I, I probably wasn't allowed to post it because I think it, it was a, a weekday. It was at the end of the week, and he said I might have to be at work right now, so maybe you shouldn't be posting that. So, <laughs> but we didn't just tell the whole world that. That's all good. Exactly. <laughs> but but for you, I mean, you're enjoying Australia right now. But you grew up sailing in the Netherlands, where you're from. What got you into sailing in the first place? It's definitely my parents, I think, that mm. got me into sailing. Um, I remember when I was uh, a little girl, I was always struggling. There was always so much to do on the weekends because sailing generally happened on the weekends. And, mm -hmm. you know, there's uh, your friends and there's sleepovers and there's parties and you want to go to the mall and the movies and, you know, all the regattas were on on the weekend. So it was, uh, yeah, I remember always asking my dad, oh, what do I do? What do I do? Why does everything have to be on in the same weekend and ha happen yeah. to be uh, at the same time? But yeah, my parents were not so much uh, sailors, but they were more rowers. So we're definitely a water sports family. Um, and yeah, my dad's um, very competitive. And uh, so, yeah, I think 
just a combination of um, of the having surrounded by water and uh, yeah, slowly we got into sailing. I have an older brother, <laughs> and um, he was sailing the Optimist, and when he got a new Optimist, I got his old Optimist, and uh, yeah, I uh, started doing a little bit of uh, racing, and yeah, it was only when I started beating my brother in some of the races at our local sailing club is that yeah i really started to enjoy it more and more and uh yeah slowly um yeah i i was almost sailing every day far out and so on and so forth and now i think we might go to our quiz which we've shown carolyn and actually a shout out to the the sailing association in netherlands they actually shared the quiz as well which is pretty cool. So we've had a, a few people taking part, which is great fun. And uh, and the first question that we kick off with in the quiz, I believe, I'm just going to double check myself, but I think it's how many Olympics have you taken part in? And you have taken part in three Olympics, as far Correct. as we could tell. That's a massive achievement in itself. So the first yeah, was three in is the correct answer. Yes, three. Uh, so the first was in the four seventy in Sydney. Yay! <laughs> exactly. Yeah, Sydney was my uh, Sydney two thousand were my first Olympics in the uh, four seventy, um, and I was actually probably meant to go to the Sydney Olympics in the Europe class in the oh. Europe dinghy, which was the single handed dinghy for women at the time. Mm -hmm. But we had, um, as you know, in the Olympics, uh, you can only have one rep per nation in every discipline. And uh, so we had to uh, have a battle uh, within uh, the Netherlands as to uh, who would get the spot in the Europe dinghy. And, um, we were numbers one and two of the world ranking. Um, yeah, I think wow. Australians had the same issue in, mm. uh, for example, the laser class. Um, so it was pretty tough, uh, but you knew that whoever would win the national selection uh, was probably uh, going to be a medal favorite. Unfortunately, uh, I did not um, win that, the national selection in Holland and uh, Margriet Matthijs, she ended up going to the Sydney Olympics in the Europe dinghy and came home with a silver medal. So um, wow. she did a very good job. And um, yeah, I didn't, then did a crash campaign in the 470 and uh, yeah, within eight months, I think uh, we learned how to, I found myself a partner. We learned how to sail the boat and we won the Dutch trials and we made it to the Sydney Olympics. Um, but yeah, that was, that was about where, where it ended it really. Yeah, incredible. But then in 2004, you got your chance to go in the Europe. Yes, exactly. Well, that was my sort of my revenge. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I needed to prove I, um, yeah, I still wanted to prove something in the Europe class. And I think the Europe is, is honestly one of the uh, nicest uh, dinghies I've sailed. It's a, uh, it's a really fine boat. It's a beautiful, it's, it's like a small fin in a way. Yeah. And, uh, um, with a with a carbon mast and uh, there was quite a technical boat and uh, I enjoyed that side of it as well. Um, so it was nice to to go back in the in the Europe dinghy and uh, and Margriet, who was my biggest opponent, we sort of swapped. She then went into the 470, so we wouldn't run into the same problem four years later. So yes, I ended up doing Athens 2004 in the Europe dinghy, 
And then um, they removed the Europe dinghy from the Olympic program, unfortunately, and replaced it by the laser radio. Laser. Mm -hmm. And um, that's how I ended up uh, going to the Beijing Olympics in 2008 in the tornado class. <laughs> I thought I'd try something different. Representing Belgium. Yes, that's right, <laughs> representing Belgium. So I did. I've been around the world, haven't I? <laughs> I... Uh, I, I think uh, that's did fantastic. Two Olympics for Holland and yeah, one for Belgium. And it was when we started sailing Tornado. I was sailing with uh, with Seb, who's Belgian. Yeah, and uh, we sort of left it in the middle. I remember the first regatta we did in Europe. We uh, had to put uh, a country code uh, in our in our sail, and uh, we put E U R for Europe. <laughs> Europe. And we just left it in the middle. <laughs> And uh, we, everyone asking us, and we said, we don't know yet whether we're going to sail for the Netherlands or for Belgium. We don't have to decide that yet. Um, and in the end, uh, we were very welcomed in Belgium by the Belgian Federation. Uh, they were very nice to us. Uh, Seb had won a silver medal in the Finn class. They welcomed us with, uh, with open arms. And in in Holland at the time, I think there was four or five very competitive tornado teams. Oh, golly. So, yeah, after a few months, we just took the wise decision and uh, chose to uh, to sail for Belgium. We still had to qualify um, at the and get results at the different uh, major championships. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're, Belgium was the safe decision. <laughs> yeah, and you didn't need to go what go through what you did in the 2000 Olympic lead-up either. No, that's true. Uh, although I have to say that does uh, bring you to a higher level, you know, mm. having a very, very strong competition within your own country um, does uh, push uh, each sailor um, to their limits. And, um, and that's how you get very good results as well. So in a way, we missed that in Belgium. You know, we were always having to go abroad or search for training partners mm. in other countries. And there was never you know, it, it was a race against the clock, you know, Seb coming from the Finn and me coming from the Europe into a multi-hole um, was like, you know, asking a 200-meter runner or sprinter to run a marathon. You know, it's sailing is sailing, but it's a completely different um, discipline. We've gone from, you know, years of, uh, of a hiking boat um, to all of a sudden having to both trapeze and, um, and uh, fly a hull downwind. So with two hulls. So, you know, it, it, was a, it was a very, very big change for us. So we were just, yeah, fighting the clock and, and, and fighting ourselves to, to get as good as we could. So we probably in that, in that discipline didn't really need um, the, the, the national competition. But I definitely yeah. think um, it's a good thing to, for the best results. You, you want to have strong competition in your own country. Especially for the country, and and perhaps this is where your love of multi holes started. We were talking about the A class just before, but you seemed to fall in love with it, and not only competed for a different country, being Belgium, but you were the only female in what was a male or open event, just a sailor. Yeah, that's right. Well, the um. The tornado at the time, the tornado is a, is a really, really cool boat. Mm. Uh, it's an awesome boat. It's, you know, with all the foiling going on nowadays, it's probably outdated a bit, but it is a really, really nice boat to sail. And um, 
Uh, so, so yeah, the high performance sailing that um, that we got into, um, you know, it, it, it really pushed us uh, pushed us to our limits. Yeah. Um, and it at the time the tornado is what they called an open discipline, and it, which generally meant that there was mostly only men sailing the boat. Um, but yeah, I decided uh, that you know not not having the Europe anymore and and the laser radio probably. For myself, being a step back in in my sailing career, uh, having come from from a, a boat like the Europe, um, mm-hmm. I thought the Tornado was just yeah a better challenge for me. Uh, it also you know being high performance involved a little bit more technical sailing. Um, so yeah, we um, we went for it, and yeah, the fact that there was um, not very um, many women is uh, is a shame. I think you know in the NACWA 17 at the moment, it's I think better. Um, balanced as mm-hmm. to um, helm and crew uh, physicality um, in the tornado it being such a wide boat uh, the crew work uh, having to do the main sheet upwind and the spinnaker sheet downwind um, the loads were quite high uh, on the tornado so I think generally I would I I can yeah comfortably say that Seb and I would not be able to be in different positions so him as a helm and me as a crew would probably not be as effective Mm. um so yeah in the tornado class i think if you really want to be competitive um yeah then you'd you'd be seeing the the girl at the helm and um and the guy crewing but now with the nacra 17 that's um you know the boat being shorter less wide and foiling um that's all changed so it's a lot more balanced which is great to see girls crewing or skippering i mean the top Spanish team is a female skipper. The top Australian team is a male skipper. So as you say, all of the combinations, it's pretty, pretty fantastic. Yeah, I think it's, <laughs> it's awesome to see what's going on now in the, in the NACRA 17, you know, there's um, a lot of girls out there that, um, that have really uh, lifted, uh, lifted the game and, uh, and yeah, are just as uh, competitive as the guys. So it's really cool to see. I'm a little jealous in a way. <laughs> and you probably hear a lot given that Darren Bundy, Bundock is your husband and is coaching the Australian team. He also won a silver in the tornado at that Olympics that you raced in. So you have raced against each other, just for those who don't know. Yeah, we actually, yeah, we raced at yeah multiple uh, yeah. championships, world championships, and um, and we raced each other at the um, Beijing Olympics. That's right, which is amazing. I love that. I think there wouldn't be that many people who have raced against each other in the same boat at the Olympics, which is pretty cool. <laughs> well, we might move on to the next question, but first we have a question from the audience, which is. Is there any validity to the rumor that you and Bundy might put together a mixed multi or um, a mixed crew for the keelboat for 2024? No, that's not going to happen. I know. I could have blown it out of the water. Yeah. No, Bundy is not an offshore sailor. Let me make that clear. (laughs) Whereas you have dipped your toes in everything. Yeah, he cannot spend the night at sea. That wouldn't go. That wouldn't go very well. <laughs> Answer. Um, there you go. You know, and 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 he's Australian and I'm Dutch, so it's very simple. Exactly. It'd be multi-country <laughs> entry. 
<laughs> you can't really yeah. write Atlantic or Pacific on the on your sails like you nah, did with Europe. I, I think in in Bundy in Bundy's case, I think it's yeah, once a multi hull sailor, always a always a multi sailor. Yeah. yeah, which is fantastic. Alrighty, the next question is: In what years or now how many times have you won the ISAF World Sailor of the Year Award was it one, two, three, or four times? And there was a uh, – we've already answered this one, which is when did you represent Belgium? And that was in 2008. And then, yeah, how many times have you won Rolex Sailor of the Year? It's twice. And Correct. we had a bonus for – who could guess the years? I think we only had three people. Tiana, guess the years. Um, yeah, only two people two guessed people. both years correctly. So there you go. 1998, we believe, and 2018. 20 years apart. Yeah. Makes me feel yeah. old. <laughs> no, it should make you feel incredibly accomplished. Uh, but 1998, what was the highlight? there 1998 would have been in the europe dinghy mm -hmm. and yeah i think that i had a pretty good year then i remember mm -hmm. um finishing uni in 1998 as well and mm -hmm. um i remember my having a chat to my dad and he wanted me to i finished uni to go and look for a job and you know sit in an office monday to friday and earn money and uh, I asked permission to my dad to, I said, I finished uni. Let me just sail because during my uni years, I'd always, um, yeah, I think I'd done a fairly good job at combining both my sailing and, uh, and my studies. And um, it, I think one complemented the other. In, yeah. In, when I was sailing, you know, I always had my, my books with me and I was doing a little bit of studying. Um, but I, it was more like a, a switch, you know, you go from a sailing event, you come back to uni and you switch over and you concentrate on your studies for a week or two or three and then you go back sailing again. And that worked quite well for me. Uh, and all of a sudden that was gone, you know, the the uni I was finished and and it was just the sailing left. And I asked my dad, listen, I'm just going to do one year of just sailing and see how I go. Um, Cause I'd never done that before. And, and, um, and then, yeah, we can have a chat again in one year's time and, you know, maybe I'll still end up in an office, but we'll see how, um, where we're at in one year's time. And mm. well, that was 1998. I, uh, I think I won pretty much every uh, Europe event um, on the calendar including mm. the europeans the worlds and and, mm. and the world cup event so uh i guess that's how i uh, i uh, became world sailor of the year that year yes and then as we know you didn't go on to represent at the olympics but then swapped to the 470 but the highlight year in 1998 and then 20 years later one of the uh, first females to win the volvo ocean race now the ocean race so two very different forms of sailing. Yeah, but I think that's what's really cool about it, that yeah. that's possible in sailing, you know, that you can um, win, uh, be World Sailor of the Year 
for what you've achieved in an Olympic discipline and then uh, do it again in, um, in, an, in, in an offshore discipline in, in the Volvo Ocean Race. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's, that's, that's what's so great about sailing. Um, you have so many different um, disciplines of, uh, of the sport. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can, there's, you know, never, it, it's a never ending story. There's mm -hmm. in sailing, you can always keep learning, you know, there's no day that's the same as the next day. So it never gets boring. It's never a dull moment. And yeah, that's why it's such a great sport. Indeed. And you've dipped your toes in, not dipped your toes. You spent a large amount of time doing dinghy sailing at Olympic level in both monohulls and multi-hulls, hiking, trapezing, offshore sailing, foiling now. You've done every aspect of our sport, so to speak. Not solo offshore. <laughs> no, that I'm not getting into that. No. no. <laughs> That's a That's special breed. That's the one brain. thing... Um... <laughs> Yeah, I'll leave it to the nutcases. And, uh, <laughs> I, I take I take my hats off for you know I, I I've been watching Sam Davies mm. do the Vendée Arctic um, last week, and uh, an amazing result mm. uh, right up there uh, with with the top guys. Um, and yeah, I take my hat off for um, for what what she's done and what she does and what she's going to do. Mm. And you know, she was she was our skipper with Team SCA. Yep. And uh, it's it's amazing. I remember um, when we I think it was at the beginning uh, in Lanzarote at our mm. training base with Team SCA, and uh, the coaches were asking us uh, how many miles we'd done and. You know, I'd had my experience with Amor Sports in 2001, 2002, having done just uh, the two Southern Ocean legs. Yeah. Um, and um, so, and I sort of added up all the um, round the Cairns racing I'd done in my Olympic sailing and hoping I was getting close to 40,000 miles that I'd, that I'd done. And, uh, and then Sam got asked the question and back then she'd already done 250,000 miles you know it's just amazing Far what what she's done in her career so um no I think I think I'm more uh, of a team player you know I've done my single-handed sailing in a in a dinghy um but when it comes to offshore sailing I think I'm more of a of a team person and um and I'll leave that uh <laughs> leave that to that I've considered double-handed yeah I've considered uh that just because living in Lorient in France, um, which is obviously the mecca of, um, of offshore and, and single-handed and double-handed uh, offshore sailing, yeah. especially short-handed, um, mm. uh, you really learn to appreciate when they were training for the uh, Solitaire, for the Figaro, um, how, how intense that is. And, um, and it's, it's, a, it's also a beautiful part of the sport. So, but um, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll stick to... Uh, to team sailing and to uh, to uh, sailing in uh, in bigger teams in offshore sailing. I agree. I agree with you completely. We've had a few comments online. Bundy on a keelboat. You must be joking. <laughs> Someone said they had a crush on you in 1998. Oh, <laughs> so that's quite fun. <laughs> come, come forward. <laughs> and someone said, uh, who, so, wasn't busy doing the coaching for the 470 Dutch between racing himself at that time. I'm not sure what that means. Maybe Bundy was coaching somebody as well as racing or your 
person was coaching somebody else. I don't understand, Darren. He can tell me later what he meant. But it sounds like there's a few people watching, which is really interesting. And the next question, which I actually, um, I really like because it's it's a bit of a trick question, but we, we took it to the maximum, which is how many times has Carolyn competed in the Volvo Ocean Race is the next question. So you've won that Rolex Award twice and you've competed in the Volvo Ocean Race technically three times. <laughs> but when we when you were starting with Dong Fong, we were calling it your 2.5th, so to speak, because as you said, you did do the two Southern Ocean legs with Amos Sports 2 and you did the full lap with Team SCA and the full lap with Dong Fong. That's right. So three <laughs> to those people who got smart. <laughs> <laughs> That's the answer and we're sticking with it. But Amos Sports 2 was a pretty cool program as well. Uh, Amos Sports 2 was an amazing program. Mm. Um, you know, at the time... The, back then, there was a lot more um, two-boat programs mm. and uh, Amos Sports being one of them. And I guess, you know, there, there's the opportunity um, for the sponsor to then do something different with the second team. You know, you have, you, you have your top team, mm -hmm. which is, uh, is the team that's aiming to, uh, to win the race. Uh, and then, yeah, with your second boat um, that, you know, you might as well um, send it around the world as well. And, um, and yeah, Amor Sports chose uh, for, a, for a women's team, I guess, you know, it was, it was put together quite late. Mm -hmm. um, so you knew that um, even though we were uh, training with the guys, um, you know, we were on a, on a big learning curve. Mm -hmm. um, you had to be realistic that you weren't really going to uh, win, win the race. So you had to sort of have a different goal. And um, I guess just at the time, having a, a women's boat in the race is a, is a story on its own, you know. Yep. And, uh, and yeah, we just went out there and um, tried to do as best as we can and, uh, and prove that we can uh, sail from A to B and, uh, and be competitive as well. And I think... Yeah, towards the end of the of the race, uh, we did that, and yeah, it was an awesome project uh, to be part of. You know, for me, it was my first introduction to uh, to offshore sailing, and uh, it, it was quite an introduction, especially uh, going straight into the uh, into the Southern Ocean. But um, yeah, I remember arriving into uh, Sydney after uh, twenty days at sea, and and saying let's go back again tomorrow. You know, I want to, I want to do this again. And I was just, you know, getting the hang of it and, um, and starting to, uh, to, to feel and to getting a taste of, of what offshore racing was really about. And yeah, from then on, I just got hooked. Which is really, really cool that you managed to find that because that race was, uh, 2001, 2002. So that was just after your 470 Olympics, but you managed to then squeeze in 2004 and 2008 with the Europe and then the tornado before we saw you back with Team SCA, which is the next question or the centre of the next question, which was which leg did you guys win heading into Lorient, which you've mentioned, 
and that was leg eight. So sort of a, a follow-on from Maiden, from Amos Sports 2 to Team SCA, the all-female team, and to win that leg. And I was there in Lorient. It was absolutely extreme. I've got a photo here, actually. I'll bring this frame up. It was just pink everywhere. Well, magenta. It was magenta everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I think it was pretty clear that... Uh, you know, I guess in the Volvo Ocean Race, especially back then, you can sort of talk about, you know, two races, the, the, the race on shore and, and the mm. race on the water. And it, it's pretty clear that with Team SEA, um, we clearly won the race on shore. I mean, every stopover was uh, pretty much uh, magenta from, mm -hmm. from start to finish. And that's just incredible. And uh, Team SCA was a, a really, really special project. You know, it was is is a sponsor that from the beginning said um, we want a women's boat in the race because eighty percent of their consumers uh, are women. And uh, and so from the beginning, from the start, it was uh, an A team. You know, we we had all, we had a good budget, we had all the facilities. So it's it's just a golden opportunity for us as 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 girls as women to finally get back into offshore sailing and, and to put women's offshore sailing back on the world map. You know, it had been 12 years since Amor Sports. Mm. So it was about time that, that something happened. And it's just pretty cool that, yeah, SCA embraced that. And, um, and we took it on and we had a huge preparation time compared to a lot of the other uh, teams in that edition of the race. But we really needed that preparation time because... Uh, we had such, there was such a big gap in, in, in training and experience. You know, the guys had gone around the world three or four times while we, um, we hadn't. And so they had so much more experience. And so we had, you know, the best coaches. We had Brad Jackson, Gioca Signorini. In the beginning, we had uh, Manga, who unfortunately passed away during mm. uh, our build-up in, uh, in Lanzarote. Um, but just, yeah, legends of, uh, of the sport who uh, helped us fast track. And, uh, you know, our shore team was fantastic. They were all the best mentors. And um, it was, you know, in the beginning when you set yourself a goal uh, as a team and you have a goal as an individual as well, it's, um, you know, we want to uh, do the best we can and, 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 you know, show that the women are, are, um, can be competitive in, in offshore sailing. And we were, you know, the, I think after the first leg, we, we were 200 or 250 miles behind. And then mm. that gap just got smaller and smaller um, until we went from, you know, 70 miles behind being 30 miles behind. And then all of a sudden leg eight, you know, we won. And, but it, it, it was coming, you know, it was, it was just, um, yeah, uh, it showed that, um, Every leg we had showed that we'd come so close, but finally in leg eight, um, you know, all the efforts uh, from everyone, not just our sailors, but the whole team and the, the coaches and the management and the shore team, all the effort that everyone had put in for such a long time finally came out in that leg. And yeah, that was yeah, huge for everyone. It was absolutely massive. <laughs> and I mean, you got you, you said that you were behind in all of the ocean racing legs, but you did exceptionally well in the inshore racing. And I think some of the guys even learnt tricks with the tacking from you from memory in the way that you had learned to compensate for 
strength. You were efficient. Well, I think, you know, uh, in the, um, the great thing about Team SCA, I think, was mm. just the mix. You know, we had an awesome mix on board. Um, I spoke about Sam, but, you know, we had Dee Kafari mm -hmm. and um, a huge uh, 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 offshore sailors with, with a massive amount of experience. But then we had a lot of uh, dinghy Olympic sailors as well and match racers. You know, Sally Barco is a match mm. racer and an Olympic sailor. So there was just a great mix um, of girls on the boat. And I think that's what really worked for us. And mm. um, yeah, it, it was the easiest for it to come out during the import racing. Um, you know, I myself, I love the, the, the close contact and, you know, the start lines um, where you have to fight for your spot and, you know, fighting around, around the marks and um, being close to other boats, the competitive side of things. That's, that's, yeah, well, I guess when I'm really in my element. So, um, and having that good mix, uh, everything just, yeah, seemed to fall into place during the import uh, races. And yeah, I guess that's why we did so well. Yeah. And I, I believe you came third in that import race series and there was a bigger cheer for you guys than <laughs> for Abu Dhabi. I think Abu Dhabi won the import and the uh, and the round the world race that year, so they did the double. But in Gothenburg at the prize ceremony, when you guys got third, it was just the roof nearly came off. It was amazing. Yeah, I think so. You know, I think if at the end of the well, or at the beginning of the race, someone had told us um, you're going to finish third in the import series and you're yeah. going to finish the race having won a leg. Um, yeah, you know, we would have signed for that. It's, it, I think it's a, we can look back at it being a pretty, pretty good achievement. And, uh, you know, we, we could have wished for more, but I think, mm. uh, yeah, you know, we, uh, it'll go down <laughs> in history as a, as a pretty epic race and just a golden opportunity, uh, for all of us, I think. And, you know, and I think it was Manga's, Magnus Olsen's idea, um, you know, forming the team and getting all the girls together. And yeah, I think uh, we have uh, Manga and, and the management and the whole team a lot to thank for because, yeah, thanks to them, you know, a lot of us are in the position that we are today. Yeah. And then what Team SCA and now the Magenta Project has done, as you said, is helped to level up women in the sport. And what we saw come in the 2017-18 race was two women on each crew as a choice, but then you would get to take two extra crew members. So I think we might have a little bit of a break and I will put uh, on the interview that I did with you in Alicante before the start of the Volvo Ocean Race uh, with Dong Fong. Before we do, we've got a few comments so Alistair Murray says hi Carolyn you and Bundy are great ambassadors for the sport uh, which is fantastic hi Al I've been wondering where he's been Alistair. hiding <laughs> and um, when is Kyle your son getting into racing he's got two great coaches as parents and he's destined to be great himself but as a sailor who's a daughter of a sailor I know that as a parent you would just want him to do what he maybe wants to do maybe that won't be sailing well, I hope uh, Kyle's going to be a racer, but it's at the moment it doesn't look like it's going to be in a boat. So <laughs> he uh, 
he's not quite that keen on sailing at the moment. And I think, yeah, maybe we just do too much of it as parents and we talk too much about it. But um, yeah, Kyle hates sailing at the moment. Uh, it's all about um, soccer and uh, and his friends. And, um, you know, we're, we're not going to push him into sailing. Obviously, you know, we hope that one day he will he will enjoy it. But uh, it's like you say, you know, he uh, it, it's about having fun and it's about going out with uh, having fun with his friends. And um, mm. if it comes one day, it comes. And if it doesn't, he uh, he can maybe he should go and play golf or tennis and, and um, see what happens. And then we can we can retire. Well, maybe. Oh, yeah, exactly. Maybe this year will be good for him. Here he is. Uh, during one of your Volvo Ocean Race escapades, maybe this year will be good having you guys at home and and seeing you around the place and, as you said, having a little bit of a break, which is nice for everyone. <laughs> He's so little there. <laughs> he wasn't too impressed as, uh, with me as a as a teacher though during homeschooling. So um, I've really learned to appreciate the job that a teacher does because oh my gosh, it's quite tough. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's go to a little break and we'll pop on that interview from just before Alicante so we can all have a little bit of a break and we'll be back in about four minutes to continue chatting with Carolyn Brower. See you in a sec. This is Nick Douglas for Adventures of a Sailor Girl here outside the Dongfong base with Carolyn Brower. Now, we're going to talk about this as being your, your 2.5th Volvo Ocean Race or your third technically. It's pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm super excited. I'm really, really happy. I'm ready for tomorrow. Uh, we've had a really good preparation with Dongfong Race Team. Uh, super excited to be part of, uh, of a mixed team and having the opportunity to sail with uh, such yeah, gurus in, uh, in the offshore sailing. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, I'll be able to uh, yeah, give them a little bit of my uh, skills and, uh, as well. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to tomorrow. Absolutely, and you're looking exceptionally fit. I'm not sure if that's because you, you were made for this or uh, because you've been working so hard. I think you were the first girl named to be part of this edition. Yeah, that's right. I, uh, I basically yeah, signed my contract uh, end of January, so I started with the team uh, the beginning of February. And, uh, yeah, I do feel very fit uh, and strong. For me, it's really important. Um, I remember with SCA three years ago, I worked really hard to get as fit, fit as strong as I could. Um, I had a little bit less preparation time this time. I do have to work very hard to, uh, to gain muscle mass. Um, so I've managed to do that over the last six months. And uh, I feel like I'm in a similar position as when I started with SCA. And um, that's really important for me because I think it, it gives me a lot of self-confidence uh, going into the race, being fit, and, um, and it gives me uh, a lot of uh, yeah, mental strength as well. So Absolutely. That said, I mean, you've done two Southern Ocean legs before, then with SCA, and now you're going for your third time around. You're the first girl signed up for a reason. Obviously, there's a lot of other people who have faith in you. That must be nice too. Well, I hope so. You know, it's uh, Charles, our skipper, he's done a really good job in uh, just, yeah, um, surrounding himself by people that he thinks he can spend nine months on a boat <laughs> uh, going around the world. And uh, obviously, you know, in the good times, it's always easy. Everyone's got a smile on their face. Everything's going well. But it's especially during the bad times and every team will have their moments um, where you need to really be able to get the best out of each other. And uh, I think Charles has really uh, thought very carefully about the people that, um, that he 
surrounded himself with, the group he created, so the, the, the sailing crew. And, um, and yeah, we do feel that we have a very strong and, uh, and solid team. So it's not only about the sailing skills, yeah. um, you know, Stu's going around the world the, for the eighth time. So uh, I'm really happy to be in a watch with Stu, uh, learn heaps from him. But um, I think it's also about the people, the personality and the characters that you have on board. And, uh, yeah, I think uh, we've got a great match there on Dongfeng. Yeah, that's, that's really important. And, and as you say, when you're un in a high-pressure environment and you're dealing with things on a long-term basis as well, because it's not like you're just going for one high-intensity jaunt here, uh, you see the best and the worst of people. <laughs> Well, exactly, and I think that's why it's really important to have a good preparation with each other. I mean, we, we saw that with SCA, with the girls. We had an 18 months preparation, and uh, towards the end, you really know each other well. Yeah. You know, you know each other's strengths, each other's weaknesses. And um, I think it's the same thing with Dongfeng. We haven't quite had uh, that long a preparation, but um, uh, more than half of the team is the same team as last time yeah. with Dongfeng. Uh, which is great and then uh, yeah for Marie and myself uh, to be able to join in and be part of such a such a team is uh, yeah is, uh, is a great honor. It's absolutely awesome and that's it when we said the worst there's also the best times this is awesome having fun in the base this morning. <laughs> yeah I was in the Dongfeng pavilion and uh, yeah there's a couple of Chinese people they, they were trying to grab uh, one of these a claw game. <laughs> exactly and uh, there was a girl there she was getting a bit frustrated because I think she tried 80 times lucky you don't have to put money in um, but um, yeah, and then I, I had a go, and I, I and I got this little mascot in my third attempt. So I'll be giving that to Kyle Marcel when he arrives in a few minutes. That's so so good. And you, you'll be spending the next um, few well, 24 hours basically now with with your family. Yes, I do have a few uh, other small commitments uh, today, but um, yeah, most of my packing's done. Yeah. Uh, the boat's ready and the team's ready. So yeah, I think I'll have a few hours this afternoon that I can spend with Darren. So there you go, catching up on what happened at the start in Alicante. A few little memories nice there. memories. Yeah, <laughs> some amazing memories. So our, our next question in the trivia following on from that was, what team was Carolyn Brower sailing with when she won the Volvo Ocean Race? Team SCA, Amos Sports 2, Dong Fong Race Team or Team Brunel. It was See, because you did go on to prove that you were worth it. Well, the whole team was just phenomenal. Horace, Charles, and Marie Rao as well, who was the the fellow female on board. Uh, I mean, you guys were just powerhouses in the end, but gosh, it was close, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you could say that, Nick. It was pretty close, yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh, and it was that was actually stressful towards the end. Oh, I bet. But fun. Yeah. The the next question in the trivia was which boat was not involved in the tussle at the end, and it was of course Team Vestas because you had Dongfeng, Matt Frey, and Team Brunel all appro approaching your home port of the Hague, uh, basically on top of each other. Unbelievable. Yeah, well, we it was actually a, it, it's a bit of a, a funny leg that one, the last mm. leg, because I I'd always kept saying to everyone, it, it's so amazing, you know, you, it, it's so competitive and and the racing is so close. You you come on deck after you've been off watching, and, and you look around you and you can often see one or two boats 
<clears throat> because the racing is so close, you know, on a wide ocean and, uh, and you can still see two of your competitors, uh, which is pretty amazing when you're racing around the world. Um, and for this last leg, um, it's probably exactly what we wanted is, yeah. is to, to see each other. And, and especially uh, in our case, obviously, Matfrey and, and Brunel. And, and, and this leg was, you know, full of exclusion zones and, and wind farms. And, and so it was actually the only leg where you wanted to see each other. We didn't see each other until probably about 10 miles before the finish. Oh, gosh. Um, so, yeah, that, that made it. And, and us having chosen to go along the coast and, uh, and uh, our two uh, direct competitors had uh, chosen to go uh, um, into sea, uh, to go offshore. Um, yeah, we, we didn't see them for, uh, for a huge part of that leg. And yeah, that, that made it extra exciting. Unbelievable. Just crazy. And, uh, and, and yourself and Marie in the process, which was the, the next question, um, did, were you the first two females to actually win the Volvo Ocean Race, which is true. It was true or false. You are the first females and an amazing effort. But the final question in our uh, trivia, which I really love. So we had true or false, it was true. Vestas wasn't included. When asked about the Dong Fong race team, this is the last question for the trivia. What did Carolyn Brower say? And the answer is A, and I love this, which is there's no women or men on this boat. We are the Dong Fong crew, which is just beautiful, really, because, and you said that from the start, there were no men or women. You were sailors. You were chosen for your sailing ability and not the fact that you just filled that female spot, which is incredibly important, I think, to show. Yeah, I could have. I could have probably said any of those four answers. I think, yeah. but um, I, I, I have, I have said um, from the start that, um, yeah, Marie and I, and, and later on also uh, Justine mm. Matro, who um, replaced Marie in uh, yes. in a couple of the legs during the race. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there was, you know, as Dongfeng Race Team, we we just had one goal, and we would just wanted to win this race. You know? So once you step on board of that boat. Um, it doesn't matter who you are. You're just a part of the puzzle. And uh, all we're trying to do is we're trying to complete that puzzle as well as we can, you know, and it doesn't matter um, whether you're uh, a man or a woman. It doesn't matter how old you are. Um, there was a pretty, pretty big uh, age gap uh, between mm. a lot of, uh, you know, black being uh, Chinese, uh, our youngest Chinese sailor uh, being 24 and then yeah. um, Pascal, French sailor being turned 50 during the race. Um, and, uh, you know, a huge um, uh, different amount of cultures, nationalities. So um, we were all very, very different from each other. But I guess, you know, that that's um, what in the end um, resulted in the trophy is that um, we just made it work because, yeah, we just gelled as a team and um, and we were a group that had just, one goal and uh and we wanted to achieve that goal and we did and how cool is that and you've just outlined exactly why i love sailing men and women sailing together of every age with a goal with 
plenty of planning and in implementing that plan and pushing as hard as possible, you were able to win, which is just a beautiful thing and I love it. So while we think about that, we're going to swap to the interview with you in The Hague and have a look at you right at the end of the Volvo. We both look exhausted just quietly. So <laughs> we look much more refreshed right now. So please forgive us for looking exhausted, you in particular. Let's have a look. This is Nick Douglas for Adventures of a Sailor Girl in The Hague with one of the first Sailor Girls to win the Volvo Ocean Race. So very exciting. Carolyn, how are you? Uh, I'm good. Yes. I'm a little bit tired. <laughs> I bet you are. This week is uh, shaping up to be harder than uh, nine months at sea. <laughs> but uh, I'm coping okay. Yeah. I, I'm trying to enjoy it at the same time as well. So Absolutely. I, I think everyone must want a little bit of a piece of Dongfong because it's such a good story. And the celebrations are even continuing next door. I think there was just a little match race between the two. Uh, local boats from the Netherlands and you're from the Netherlands yourself so that must be you know a lovely homecoming too. Yeah it, it definitely felt like a, a double celebration yeah. uh, you know I, I knew I was going home it was going to be special and uh, you know you know it's the last leg so it's uh, the end of the race it means yeah. the end of the race at the same time and uh, yeah to then uh, be able to take the win and and the way we took the win, because, yeah, obviously with three boats on equal points, uh, you know it was going to be a do-or-die leg. And uh, and we, we knew we had to step it up. And, uh, yeah, it was a gutsy move that we made. But, um, you know, we had to keep believing, and uh, it paid off in the end. It absolutely paid off. And I think a lot of people were watching what was happening, and it was sort of Matt Frey and Brunel on one side of the coin and you guys on the other side of the coin, but then you just came in with such speed to that final rounding mark. You must have known that you had it in the bag a little bit sooner, but you probably didn't let yourselves believe it. <laughs> well, we we knew beforehand. We'd, we'd done our homework. Yeah. Uh, we'd been studying the leg uh, more than any, uh, you know, prepared the leg so well uh, with Marcel van Triest, our shore navigator. And... Um, you know, we, we knew we had to step it up and that we possibly had to take some risks. Mm. We'd been the most consistent boat in the fleet uh, th throughout the whole race, but he, we hadn't won a leg yet. So, you know, besides uh, trying to go and beat Brunel and Matfrey, we were also going to try and, uh, and win the leg. And we knew that we, we were sort of the first ones to take, make the choice to commit to the shore side. And um, we knew that whatever we did, the other two were going to do go the other way. <laughs> and, that, and that happened. And, and Marcia had also told us that it's going to hurt in the beginning. It's going to be very painful in the beginning, but um, your gain is going to come at the end. And uh, well, yeah, once we passed uh, the Dutch coast, Den Helder, the, the top, uh, that's where uh, the speed started building, and uh, that's where we started making our gains. And it was just enough. Absolutely. We saw Matt Frey make a little wiggle. They sort of wanted to come with you and then bailed to go with Brunel, so they must have felt that hardness at the at the front. But you guys backed yourselves and. I know you say you haven't won a, a leg yet, but we saw you coming into Newport and you were so close, but then you won the one that mattered. Well, Unbelievable. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we, we came close so many times or actually we should say, you know, it was quite hard for us because in a lot of the legs we'd been ahead and we sort of gave the lead away. Yeah. Um, so we knew we had it in us, uh, but it just hadn't happened yet. And I guess, yeah, I can't think of a better leg to win than the last one into yeah. home. So <laughs> it was a good one to win. Yeah, absolutely. And now you've won two legs, essentially, because you won one with Team SCA into Lorient yeah. and you've won one home. And, that, you know, they're both equally powerful moments, probably. Um, but that said, the picture of you with the trophy, kissing the Volvo Ocean Race trophy, I know that's going to inspire girls for a long time to come. I hope so. Yeah. 
Uh, you know, I think I, uh, someone told me uh, on the, uh, that on the website, apparently, uh, before the race, um, uh, on the Dongfeng website, I have said that uh, what do you want to be remembered for? And apparently I said that I want to be remembered as the first woman to win the Global Ocean Race. So here I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely amazing. And I know that your family will be really proud of you as well. They've been to a lot of the legs with you too. Uh, yes, of course. Uh, I've had amazing support and uh, I don't think, uh, I think I can speak for all the sailors. You know, if you don't have uh, the backing of your family and the support of your friends and family, um, you, you cannot survive this race. And uh, I was lucky enough to, you know, have Darren uh, beside me and, uh, and my mum support me. And obviously uh, Nell, our nanny, uh, yeah. she's, uh, she's one of my best friends. And uh, yeah, being a second mum to Kyle, um, while I was at sea and that really gave me uh, a lot of comfort and uh, took a lot of load off my shoulders and uh, knowing that he was getting the love and the care that he needed and uh, yeah it's only that way that you know I can be myself out on the water and uh, perform at my best so that definitely helped me uh, to win. Absolutely and then you've got your Dongfong family as well uh, for those who have been to all the stopovers I think um, Charles's little munchkin and yours <laughs> Kyle are like besties now. Ah, uh, for sure, and uh, they don't even speak the same language. You know, they're they're a big big example to adults. How you know they uh, they're seven and eight years old, and uh, they come from different countries and don't speak the le same language, but their communication skills are really good. So they 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 set an example for us. <laughs> Some beautiful memories there. That that interview goes on for another five minutes. We're just talking about. I know, but I thought I'd end it there because. I remember so many times seeing Carl play um, and we actually had a question before the show started, which was from Amelia Cat, who is one of the racers here in Australia. And she said, how do you balance everything? Because you seem like you're all over it and on top of it. And I know a lot of sailor girls wonder how you do it all. And, and I think that interview sort of speaks a lot about the, the network that you have. So... I thought that might help you answer that question. Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, um, you you talk yourself about you know the the sailing family, mm. and of course, there was my Dongfeng family. But uh, your own family, if you don't have their support, then um, there's no way that any of us sailors can can get through this. Mm. Um, and I guess you know, for me, it was. It helped me recover and um, and be ready for the next leg, having Kyle around and knowing that he'd be at the dock when we finish uh, a leg coming into a stopover city and knowing that I would be able to spend a couple of days with him. And, and it's almost um, when you arrive at the dock and um, you see uh, the little guy standing there, then um, the rest of the world just seems to sort of disappear. disappear. And, it, and sometimes it, it's a little bit egoistic in a way, but mm. um, all I have is I have a, I, I only have attention and time for, for the little, for the little guy. So you sort of step into his little world and it's a really simple world, but it's, it's a wonderful world to be in when you've been at sea for 20 days, because all you want to do is is sleep and rest, and that's exactly what you get to what you get to do. You know, mm. it, um, so so you you step into a it's like stepping into a different world, and and I guess doing that um, makes it so much easier to recharge the batteries. Yeah. Um, 
So, so when you've been able to do that then for maybe four or five days um, while the shore team is, is looking after the boat, um, then you come back refreshed again. And I, I think that, that really helped me. So, um, yeah, being organized about it and, uh, and having the support of your family and, uh, and uh, surround yourself uh, by the people that you know are going to uh, look after your child and, and, and give all the love and the care that, that your child needs um, just makes it possible to, to leave the dock again mm. without uh, taking any baggage on board. So you're leaving with a fresh mind and uh, you're able to um, make that switch and, uh, and focus uh, on sailing and, um, and uh, yeah, being the best uh, crew member um, uh, that you can be. And I think that's the most important. Definitely. And then... Because sailing is the way that it is, I was actually talking about it today. It's been convenient, I guess, that in 2016, Bundy was coaching at an Olympics. You had a Volvo in 17 and 18. Then he started prepping for 2020 or was doing that at the same time. But then 2020, there's an Olympics and then another ocean race if you were to do so. So thankfully, those calendars sort of... (laughs) sort of meet, not really, but <laughs> different worlds is, is a good thing in, in the sailing realm. Yeah, I think, you know, when you, when you want something uh, really badly um, mm. uh, and, you know, you, you can make it happen, it's often just Bundy is, is, uh, is quite good at saying it. He says it's just practicalities, you know, mm. that, it, that you can find solutions for it. Um, the most important thing is that, um, you get the opportunity to do what you love and uh, and to and to be happy and um, Bundy saw straight away in my eyes when I I, I said that uh, Charles had rung and that um, there was a potential to to be part of the Dongfeng race team for the next race. Um, all I could come up with was was problems. What are we going to do with <laughs> Kyle? What if you're away? And you know, and he says, and I just have to look into your eyes and see that you really want to do this. And so I have to let you do this because this is what will make you happy. And I guess that's, yeah, how you, if you, if you talk about it, then, um, then that's what you do. You know, back in 2013, we made it work as well. I was living in Lanzarote and Darren was with Oracle in San Francisco. And, uh, and I remember I was having a week off in between our training blocks and, I was jumping on a plane and uh, taking Kyle to San Francisco, dropping him off there, staying there for five days and flying back again. And when I think about that now, like I'd spend six weeks with Kyle in Lanzarote and then I'd spend six weeks without him because he'd be in San Francisco with Bundy. And we did that for months in a row. And when I think about that now, I'm like, geez, that's crazy. But we did it because we both wanted something so badly and... Um, I think in the end, you know, the experience that Kyle's had, he's now nine years old and he's, um, you know, flown around the world and, uh, and seen some pretty cool places and learned about some pretty cool um, cultures and nationalities and, you know, is wanting to learn how to speak French and uh, how to speak Spanish. And, 
you know, the, I, I think it's it's a different um, probably upbringing than than most of the kids here in the in the local area. But I think um, it, it, it's a pretty cool upbringing. So, yeah, I think he's um, it'll make him a, a more complete person. Um, and um, and I think, yeah, having him with me um, has, has, has made me a, a complete, per, a more complete person as well. So I think it's mm. a win win for everyone. <laughs> it's I <hope>. so lovely. <laughs> he's also had it laid out in front of him that if there's something that he wants and he works hard enough, he can you know, make it, make a good go of getting there. So that's a very important thing to learn too, I think. So then we move on to the last question in the quiz. Oh my gosh, we've held you up for over an hour now. I'm sorry about that. Um, my cheeks hurt from smiling, talking to you. It's so lovely. <laughs> uh, but the last question was really cool. What all-female team was Carolyn the helm for in the 2018 Rolex Sydney Hobart the skipper was Stacey Jackson. The tactician was Katie Spithill, who works with us. And it was, in fact, Ocean Respect Racing, another team that captured the heart of everybody <laughs> that was watching the uh, the Hobart that, that year. Oh, my gosh. And you came so close. There's a beautiful picture by Salty Dingo with the Opera House. Wild Oats 10 rebranded. Pretty cool. Uh, yeah, that was uh, an epic um, short campaign, but a very cool campaign. And yeah, hats off and thanks to uh, our very own Stacey Jackson for, Yay. Uh, for <laughs> getting us all involved and, you know, having having a vision and, and this idea and uh, putting this team together. It's uh, absolutely amazing. And yeah, I think it all... We didn't have a lot of training uh, time, but I think we just had uh, great support. Um, obviously, you know, the Wild Oats fam family and uh, 11th Hour Racing um, as a sponsor. And um, um, just, yeah, having a great boat and uh, having awesome <laughs> conditions specifically for that type of boat obviously helped us. Mm. Uh, great forecast for, um, for Wild Oats 11 as a, as a type of boat. Um, so yeah, it all. Uh, but we raced the boat uh, really, really hard, and uh, and Libby took some uh, really good uh, navigational decisions. Um, and yeah, it was a a very close uh, close battle to the end, but a lot of fun. It was, and you mentioned Dee Kafari, who you raced with on Team SCA, and we can see your cute little cat sticking his head around the corner. And we might just have a quick little look at this interview that I did with you on board Wild Oats 10 with Dee and Katie just before the start of the Hobart, talking about what that program was all about. With just three of the awesome members of Ocean Respect Racing, I basically couldn't choose. I think there's 14 of you now, Katie. Yeah, 14 great females. I know, and I had to pick just three of you. Hopefully I'll talk to a few of you before the Hobart. But Dee, I mean, you've had a massive year. Katie's had a lot on her plate too, and so has Carolyn. Do you want to just tell me a little bit about what you've been doing and why it ties into this program, Ocean Respect Racing? Yeah, well, following the end of Turn the Tide on Plastic in the Volvo, um, I've become quite a strong advocate um, for ocean health mm -hmm. and following a lot of sustainability programs. And when Stacey put this project together with 11th Hour Racing, it sat perfectly and she invited me down. And at the end of the day, 
I've left the cold British weather for a month of sunshine in Fantastic. Australia, so I'm very happy. So thank you for having me, ladies. And next I'm going to go to Carolyn, who um, is recently crowned World uh, Sailor of the Year, female. I know, has won the Volvo Ocean Race at Dongfong and just did the A-Class Nationals as well. You got out and, yeah, and Worlds and did a bit of um, dinghy racing too, which is great to see. Now you're here. I know, it's awesome. Well, it's nice to be back in Sydney, obviously, and uh, nice to be able to do my second Hobart with, uh, with Ocean Respect Racing. Uh, I think there's a lot of experience there. What was it? 68 Hobarts and 20-something laps of the globe. Yeah, and about 16 or 17 laps of the globe. So the, the experience is definitely there, and we've been out the last few days training and now done our shakedown sale to start with, and now we're actually getting out there and getting all the slowly getting all the boxes ticked so yeah i think we're we're on on the good way and really looking forward to a good hobart yeah absolutely and today awesome that was a great one and you came second overall i remember chatting to you in the restaurant and gosh it was close to a, a win there too the elusive hobart oh will you have another go at the hobart does that make you miss racing watching that footage i actually felt like going for a sale then oh <laughs> yeah, extremely. I'm yeah. missing it a lot, actually. Oh, no. um, well, uh, hopefully we will have a go um, at the next Hobart. You know, I think mm. it'll be a little bit of a different Hobart than uh, mm. than we're all used to to seeing. Um, maybe it'll be um, it'll be a bit more of a local Hobart. Maybe uh, not seeing as many internationals uh, coming over um, for uh, for that time of year. But um, yeah, definitely an opportunity there to uh, to maybe uh, maybe you know put a great team together again. Um, nothing planned yet, but uh, plenty of ideas. And uh, yeah, a slow you know with sailing, we're obviously in the winter season here, but um, sailing slowly you know starting up again um, after after COVID, after restrictions, and also. Um, um, with the outlook, um, you know, of, of summer, uh, spring and summer coming uh, coming our way, um, yeah, definitely a lot of ideas, and uh, I think, uh, yeah, we will need all the support uh, that we can get, but um, hopefully we'll be able to get a great team back on the water again for the next oh, Hobart. I'm so excited, and I think we'll have to finish there because I've kept you for over an hour. I know Bundy's getting home shortly. It's your birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. <laughs> Yay. Happy birthday. I hope you have the best day with everybody at home. That sounds so great. And thanks for everything that you've done uh, for sailing and, um, and pushing girls to the next level. It's been absolutely fantastic to catch up with you over the past few years and, and watch what you're doing. So I can't wait to see you racing in the Hobart. I can't wait to see some racing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and thanks to you, Nick. Thanks for having me. Uh, and thanks for, uh, for everything you do for mm. our sport as well and, uh, and for girls and uh, women in sailing. So very, thanks to you. Hats we're off very, you. very lucky. Oh, no, thank you so much. I think we'll bring tea up and see if there's anybody um, that has any final comments. And Tiana, how many people took part in the quiz over this week? And I think we're near 90,000. So far? Yeah, so so with um this week's so season one we had yeah. ninety thousand people
take part in our trivia. Um, Up until now, I think we've had a few episodes of season two. We're about to hit 105,000. So, yeah, it's really exciting. (laughs) That is exciting. Keep playing, people, and we're going to keep handing out prizes thanks to Fantaneous Sale and Modiot Insurance. Fantastic. And remember, at the end of the year in December, around Rolex Sydney Hobart time, hi, Kat, Uh, around Rolex Sydney Hobart time, we're going to draw a major prize, which will be from our video competition as well as our trivia competition, which started at the start of lockdown. So that would be really cool. And uh, again, thanks to Carol and everyone wish her a happy birthday in the comments. And next week we are set to have another female sailing legend who's been involved with the Olympics a number of times, given that it is meant to be a year until we'll see the Olympics. We're keeping the actual identity a secret But you stay tuned, adventurers, for a fantastic Sailor Girl in just one week's time. We'll see you soon. Carolyn, thanks again. And enjoy your weekend.